the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Monday, Monday, Monday. This is a big Monday. Big Monday. Good news. City of Chicago. First time in a long time. The under. 44 shot. Five dead. I mean, that is the first time in, who knows, we've had under 50 on a weekend. But don't celebrate too much. In a week, from September 26th to to October 2nd, we had 126 shot. That seems a bit high. So you got to take the good with the bad. We're going to go through the stats. Let's go through the stats. Perpetrators are uh, on the run, and the authorities are on their side. And by authorities, I don't mean police. I mean prosecutors, as it still is mind-boggling. As we watch the father of the murdered 18-year-old try to wrap his head around the fact that, uh, yep, your son's murderer was let off. We now have a new thing in the... uh, Illinois law called mutual combat, which I am a big fan of. I really am looking forward to my mutual combat. I've been dying to walk after like a road rage incident. You know, there's all the paperwork. You get arrested. You got to embarrass yourself. I got to get bailed out of jail. No, I just yell mutual combat when I get out of the car and we go to war. I like it so much for the progressives. I've always said they are regressives. And what I mean by regressives is they are now on the precipice of having a problem with the bill. So it would appear. I have never wavered. I believe through my massive, extensive experience in watching these political whores for my life, that they will, in fact, shove this bill down our throats, and it will be riddled with the exact same thing they're always riddled with. Payoffs to the most politically corrupt, paid for, by the hardest working people in the country. Regardless of their spiel, it'll only be those select people that they want to pay the taxes, that they want to go after, who they will go after and successfully confiscate the money in the name of this funny money bill. So when I'm you know, constantly going over this with people, when I'm out and about, people will ask me, what do you think? And you know, all the time, I, I stick to my guns. Do you remember Obamacare? It was the exact same stuff. We had a chance at beating it. We had these two holdouts, Nebraska and Louisiana, Nebraska and Louisiana. Those were two conservative Democrats, and they were not going to strap us with the yoke of all catastrophe known as socialized medicine. In this country, they got it. They didn't want to be like Europe. They were really going to hold out. And the one's name was Landau, I remember, right? Mary Landau, Louisiana Purchase. She could not be bought as she went on news channel and news channel, just like Manchin now. Can't be bought. And then Barack meets with her in private, 
$300 million to her little district. $300 million to her. Basically her. Oh, granted, they used Louisiana as a front, but it was a bribe. And what does she do? Obamacare. And here we are, hopelessly strapped with this yoke of failure and corruption and incompetence and stupidity. And they're going to expand it. And they have to. Because now is the time. That one little policy, not little, big, but that one policy had ramifications that they knew would affect the American people for at least a half a century before hopefully we rip it out in the next 40 years. But who knows? It may become like Social Security. Then we'll pretend it works and we'll pretend that there's some fund and that it's, everybody's happy with it. And then seniors will be fighting for it. Just like that Ponzi scheme boondoggle, which they've tried to rip out since the day after it was passed. See, but most people don't talk about that because you, you just go on to the next thing, go on to the next thing. And now we're so mind numbed from the ridiculous numbers. We're used to it. We are used to it. And um, as you see the Kabuki Theater, the show. And the pomp and circumstance of, oh boy, the president had to come back from his weekender. He's going to go to Michigan tomorrow. He's going to talk about it and he's going to go on tour and he's going to sell it to the American people. It deviates from the fact of how they're coming to their numbers and how they're coming to their numbers is lying. They are absolutely and totally lying because they're using an accounting trick similar to when waste management pretended to, to, to not write off the trucks and pretended to, to uh, be making all this money in perpetuity. And they got caught and a couple guys got in trouble. And in the meantime, all the money was made. The corrupt little mafia kept the money and they kept the contracts and it keeps expanding. That is the game. So I will not be distracted by this, this false hope that media and that Republicans, certain Republicans and certain Republican organizations want you to have, that we are going to beat this. We are not going to beat it. And in the meantime, we are going to expose it. And once we are strapped with it, we will do what we did with Obamacare. We will resist it. We will point out its failures, its flaws, and its corruption. I got, I got to stop you there. It doesn't cost zero. Whether it's $3.5 trillion or $2 trillion, it, it, or one and a half trillion, whatever, it, it costs that amount of money. Now, you can pay for it either by borrowing it or you can pay for it by raising taxes on corporations and the wealthy, but it doesn't cost zero. At the end of the day, it will cost zero. Yeah, it's going to cost zero. Now, rarely is Chris Wallace smarter than his guests. Rarely, rarely, rarely. But in this particular instance, he is interviewing a Biden spokesman, swindler, scam artist, ex-congressman, Cedric Richmond. Now, Cedric Richmond is supposed to be an attorney, but I've never been impressed with attorneys. In fact, some of the scummiest people I know, some of the best, but also some of the scummiest I know are attorneys. And I, let's not forget our old Richard Daly, who had to hire somebody to take the bar exam. I, I understand we're supposed to believe he passed it on his fifth time, but he paid somebody to take it. After all, he's a Daly. That's what really happened. And he was among the dumbest people in existence and the most corrupt. And uh, Cedric wants you to believe, like Pippi Lystocking wants you to believe, like Joe Biden wants you to believe, that somehow this bill is going to cost zero. And out there, it turns out to be there are some people who um, actually believe this. And to me, I'm very surprised by it. I, I, I can't believe anybody's this stupid. But then again, I'm always surprised when people vote for Democrats. I really am. Aside from the ones that are in on the scam, those ones I understand, like the recipients of the contracts, 
You guys, I get you. I get you. You know it's a scam and you just want it to keep on going. But the people who have to live in the ghetto areas they create, the failure they create, you I can never understand. I mean, I understand you've been strapped with their education system, which is next to nothing. But to continue to buy the lie. You're talking about how you have 48 Democratic votes right now. The other two uh, have been pressured over the weekend by activists. Joe Manchin had people on kayaks show up to his boat. Think about that. Joe Manchin had people on kayaks show up to his boat. This is so similar to Obamacare. Do you not remember it all? Same thing. The communists, the people party, Soviets, the pretend socialists who are really nothing more than two-bit fascist pigs. They all harass those people with the vote because what they understand is that this vote will forever change America. Forever. And they're under the impression they keep winning, even though the quality of what they seek goes down, whether it's education, whether it's health care, whether whether it's this utopian spending bill. It doesn't matter. It is rinse and repeat so-called drama that is going to end the same way it always does. It will pass and we will be strapped with it. The last time was chased into a restroom. Do you think that those tactics are crossing a line? I don't think they're appropriate tactics, but it happens to everybody. From the, <laughs> the only people it doesn't happen to are people who have Secret Service standing around them. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's part of the process. Yes. Well, it also doesn't happen to the step and fetch votes you already have in your pocket. Those little districts that are more interested in getting the money, knowing it's a scam, rather than realizing what this will do to the future of the country. So those are the, those are the corrupt foot soldiers of the Democrat Party. Republicans have them as well. That will simply go along to get along that are not interested in actually doing what's best for either their people or the country in general. But when you see these people get run into a woman's restroom and harass a Democrat, I laugh because they're men that run into the bathroom. Actually, I am heading out. She's she's in the woman's room right now. Now is a real moment that our people need in order for us to be able to talk about what's really happening. Now, you wouldn't know it by that Burisma lisp, but that's a fella. That's a fella in the ladies' room. We need a Build Back Better plan right now. We, we're not that adorable. We need solutions. The Build Back Better plan needs has the solutions that we need. We knocked on doors for you to get you elected. And just how we got you elected, we can get you out of office if you don't support what you promised us. Now, how, what do you think the IQ level is, that girl? What do you think how old she she sounds? She sounds like she's 11 years old. We need the There comes Gladys out of stall number two, fresh off the corned beef lunch. She's in the restroom. You hound her no matter where you are. It's disgraceful because they understand all they have to do is intimidate too. And that's what Joe Biden said on Friday when he was going to his weekender anyway. We just need to lean, bribe, leverage, intimidate two people, and we will forever strap the American people with this bill. And no matter how many times they're asked about what it's going to cost, they continue to tell the not-so-noble lie. Following up on something that you just said, you said that the president's going to have a virtual meeting with House progressives to talk about how this Build Back Better package is now going to be smaller than $3.5 trillion. But you have been saying that it costs zero. So are you now admitting that the plan does not cost zero? Or is it less than zero? Well, let's let's not 
dumb this down for the American public here. But you have to dumb it down for the American public. Your constituents are dumb or they're corrupt. That's it. It's the end of the story. That's the only way they could look at you. Realize you've never collected more. $388 billion a month. You're no longer spending $10 billion a month in Afghanistan. And instead of working with this magnificent, this outrageous amount of money you're extorting from the economy, you're hell-bent on casting them further into debt. And these are the kind of people who believe real estate costs zero. Cars cost zero. They see 0% financing. They could give a rip if it's 184 months. They just signed the paperwork. These are the kind of people who do not understand exactly what you're doing to them. Because the rich people who you pretend to demonize, they're already positioned to circumvent these taxes. They're already in the islands. They're already prepared to stop earning. That's the other little thing no one wants to talk about. Rich people can stop earning. And these corporations you pretend to tax, they pass it on to the people who can afford it the least, the consumers. So as the classes separate and we become Venezuela, remember to remind those stupid enough to vote for Democrats. You did this to yourself. This is the result of either idiocy or corruption. Those are your only choices when you're faced with somebody who would tell you that a bill larger than virtually any, if not any in history, costs zero. The fact that they are still saying this tells you there is no lie they are not willing to tell. 312-642-5600. So the reason I gave you that big picture is because so many things are going wrong in the minutia of our economy. And a very good friend of mine who I talk to all the time, we talk about the, you know, the inflation nobody wants to talk to and the devastation to restaurants and consumers and all of it that just seems to be ignored. And we've all developed this new verbiage called transitory. And life is transitory, if you use the word properly. Of course, it's all temporary, right? I mean, all kinds of issues are temporary. But these political decisions are different. Because what you've managed to do is screw up a working economy. We were working. Things were working. Insurance, although not perfect, worked. Our vibrant health care was ten times what it, what, it, what it produced before Obamacare than after. Everything was better before the government comes in and decides to muck it up because that's what they do. There's nothing that they do efficiently. Nothing. So to go into the nuances of specific products, the Democrat voter doesn't care. They are oblivious to reality. Otherwise, there would be no Democrat Party. There's no reason to have a Democrat Party in this country anymore. You've got enough Democrats hiding in the Republican Party. This American Democrat Party is a Soviet party. You can have your opinion as long as you agree with them, no matter what it is. So that's why I kind of I, I, I like when it comes to fruition, the predictions of calamity and collapse. I told you so. But how many times could you say I told you so? This is what everybody with an IQ over 60 warned you about if you were dumb enough to put in this feeble, dementia-ridden soul. He can't hack it. The people around him who were excited about him getting in, they have a different agenda. That agenda is of control. They're not interested in success. Their definition of success is not ours. Our definition of success is about freedom, is about liberty, is about the concept of the enlightenment itself. Dr. Fauci, who would be thrown out of anywhere 
including families. If I had a member of my family this stupid, I would grab him by his shirt collar and throw him out of the house on Christmas Eve, which, for those of you who are not Italian, it's a big day. But the idea that this man goes on TV, this failure fascist, I know I said troll, but that's all right, I'm from Ottawa. This failed fascist lowlife. Corrupt. It doesn't matter all the money he swindled out of, all the information he front ran. It doesn't matter that he invested in the very virus. This idiot can go on TV anytime he wants. And then when he does, he literally speaks against the purpose of America. All the benefits of being a member of society. Let's talk about that, you big-nosed moron. There is no society. There are just people. I have no obligation to you, pickle face. I have no obligation to anybody but me and those people I choose to be obligated to. So I don't have to do anything you say. As for reaping the benefits, why don't you lay out the people of what they actually are extorted for in taxes before you cast those kind of of insults to the people? Because you don't know who you're talking to. There are people out there that have paid 70,000 times more than they'll ever take from society. Those are normally Americans. Those are normally capitalists. Those are people who are a benefit to society. You, you human leech, are anything but. And the fact that you even have a platform to this day shows of a weakness in society. Because any society with any kind of dignity would have grabbed you by the shirt collar and thrown you out of the party long ago. Jim in Plano. Hi, Sean. Hi. We haven't had representation for decades. I remember voting in Illinois. It's all blue. You haven't got a chance of electing anyone as a Republican. But the Republicans, as you're talking, are not Republicans. They're Democrats. Um, I I see no end to this. Um, Because let me ask you before you before you finish, you see no end to it. Can I ask you? And it's a personal question. You don't have to answer. Have you ever lived anywhere else but Illinois? No. That's why you see no end to it. Because other states and other areas, and I'm here to tell you this, it's, I was shocked, Jim, shocked myself. And it's not just, I'm, you know, everyone says because I sell real estate in Florida. It's not just Florida. There are other places around this country that reject this wholeheartedly. 21 states are suing the Biden administration. 21. So the reason you have this anxiety and the reason you feel, and you feel correctly, Listen, if you're not a, in on the, on the mafia scam of government and you live in Illinois, you absolutely have no representation. There's no question about it. In fact, oftentimes the Republicans harm you more than the Democrats. But it's not yeah, like that. True. It's not like that everywhere, which is why you know what the obligation is. And I took this very seriously. And listen, it caused a lot of problems in my life. But you have to take that step to make sure your heirs, if not you, your heirs do not live under this kind of mafia government in Illinois. It's Democrats. You know, you know, Jim, I could point to any statistics you want. In Republican states, it's better than Democrat states. So to me, the answer is to start there. Because the whole principle of this country is no taxation without representation. Yet, if we're Illinoisans and we think like you and me, that's all we've known. That's all we've known is taxation without representation. It is refreshing to be somewhere where they represent you and they think like you. And they will put up the yeah. biggest fight, because the fight is, is ideological. Everyone thinks that the fight is going to be like it was 100, 200 years. It's not. 
It's not that way anymore. The technology of weaponry is too advanced. The government is too advanced. You can't, you can't beat it. But what you can do is get those people in government, those very few that believe like you, that think like you, that will fight for you. Could you imagine living in Rand Paul's Kentucky even? Yeah, that you know, would be nice. So there, you know, there you are. Actually, you actually have somebody who actually represents your beliefs. And that, um, that's how you sleep at night. What government's, yeah, what government's supposed to be. Yeah. So it's not as hopeless as you think it is. It just feels that way because you're in Illinois. But if you were, Illinois, if you right. were, if you were living in the subdivision with Rand Paul and all the people who support him, you'd sleep better, you'd feel better, and your friends would be yeah. better. Thank you, Jim, for the call. I appreciate it. I got to go to break. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Yeah. Yeah. Even when the fire is set by a sociology professor out of California. Can you imagine being the creator of something called SpendingTracker.org? Can you imagine spending your life trying to fight and track government spending? I mean, I don't know. I've never met him face-to-face. I've had the pleasure of talking to him, but I cannot imagine he has a hair on his head. His name is Jonathan Bidlack. He's the director of governance program at the R Street Institute and creator of SpendingTracker.org. Jonathan, do you have any hair? <laughs> I do, but I'll tell you, it's it's uh, it's thinning the longer I do this work. Wonderful. I can only imagine. So <laughs> when you watch these um, sophomoric arguments of the the largest bill in probably American history, when you really put them together and total what it's really going to cost, and these political whores come out and say it's going to cost zero, how do you not throw things? Because I can't even watch TV inside anymore. Yeah, it's uh, there's no doubt this is a lot of spending. I think that you know, the, the, for me, the the most troubling part about it is that we actually don't know what the full cost is. You know, it takes a long time for the Congressional Budget Office to even figure out how much spending is likely to occur. And so, you know, we see these numbers in the in the media, for example, saying it's going to be three and a half trillion dollars. But you know, uh, analysis, nonpartisan analysis from the you know Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, for example has said that, you know, that cost could be, it could be $4 trillion, it could be 4 is that it could be as high as $5.5 And so I think that, you know, as citizens, we should all be very frustrated by the fact that, you know, our elected officials, regardless of whether or not you think that this is, you know, a good or a bad idea, we should all be uncomfortable with the idea that elected officials are making decisions without actually having good information. You know, that is, that's kind of counter to the vision that the founders originally had. I spent my life in the financial industries, all right, for the very the beginning part of my life. There are very strict rules on even discussing performance or even discussing um, any success of the past. When you realize that this entire bill is built on assumptions of tax collection and projections of spending that we know historically are not even close, and then they come out and tell you that they're shortening the, the, the bill, they're lowering the bill, and what you find out is because they're manipulating the time of the program. So they're taking programs that were intended to last 10 years, and they shorten them to two years. This is, by all definition, fraud. Yet it seems to me the only place you can legally lie and legally have this kind of financial corruption and, and number corruption is government. Am I wrong? Well, you know, when you set rules like this, there's always going to be an incentive for elected officials to go and circumvent those rules. And you're right. You know, we deal with this. You mentioned spending tracker at the top. I mean, you know, one of the big challenges you have is that they they estimate these costs over 10 years. 
And oftentimes they'll assume that, you know, all of the, the revenue to pay for these programs is going to occur in, you know, maybe that ninth or 10th year. But of course, all of the spending is, you know, right in the here and now. And what we know, what history tells us is that, you know, these programs, of course, just continue, you know, whether or not they're, they're useful, you know, after a decade. And those supposed, you know, that supposed revenue to pay for it is never there. And so you look at, well, why does the debt keep expanding? Well, it's because we keep going and piling on program after program, and we never really are getting rid of programs that don't work. And I think that's the, you know, that's the thing that I find so disingenuous is that, again, we can have differences about what the optimal size and scope of government is, but, you know, you should want it. You should want whatever spending is occurring to be efficient, right? To be done as effectively as possible. But it seems like the debate is is never about that. It's always just let's get the things that I want, and let's not really worry about the other things that are really wasting society's resources. And and, and it's it is you're right. It, it's it's really frustrating. And and there's there's all these kinds of games that happen whereby you know. Things that I mean, I'll, I'll give you another great example. That one that I think you'll appreciate. You know, there's a there's a group actually out of Chicago, Truth and Accounting, one of the great groups doing doing work on these issues. And and you know, they always talk about how um, you know things like unfunded liabilities would unquestionably, if you were a private company, you have to say, you know, how much debt have I committed to on on the books? But when you talk about government debt, we sort of only talk about the national debt that's already been accrued. We forget about you know, these, these uh, deficits that exist for, you know, decades on out in Medicare and, and, and sort of, you know, these entitlement programs, we never really include that. So the true debt that we have right now is actually much bigger oh. than what's typically being reported. I mean, it's, 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 true. it's a crime. This, is, this would make the guys at Enron blush. And then here's the other side of the coin. So far this year, after the pandemic, with all the funny money being printed up and channeled through the corrupt channels. The government has raked in 300 on average 380 billion a month. A month. They stopped spending 10 billion in Afghanistan. One way or the next they stopped it. When you realize that this government cannot live within its means when the debt and I I I think it's outrageous, but the interest we pay on that debt is 44 billion a month. Social security is 19 billion a month. So you still have 310-ish billion to play with, and we cannot run this country on that. You realize it is not a stretch, and the only conclusion you can come to when there's the only way they can exist is to continue to lift the debt ceiling. America is bankrupt by definition. Am I wrong? Well, and it, it's tricky. You know, I mean, we have these, uh, you know, if you look at, I think it's always interesting to compare the United States to what other countries do. And, you know, most countries actually don't even have a debt ceiling like we do in the U.S. And it's kind of this bad mechanism for controlling spending in the first place. You know, you basically say, well, you know, we're going to cut up the credit card after we've already gone and spent a whole bunch. And, you know, that doesn't really solve the fact that you already spent a ton. And, you know, what, what many other countries do, I mean, believe it or not, you know, Sweden, which I think a lot of people think of as this sort of socialist country in, in, in Europe, they actually have really stringent controls on how much they can spend, where they say, we can't spend beyond a certain amount based on how much we're collecting in taxes. And I think that would be a much smarter way of dealing with the, the government's finances. But in the United States, for the reasons you're pointing out, because we're essentially the world's reserve currency, we have this sort of myth that we can 
spend, spend, spend without ever paying consequences for it. And that might be true now. It might be true a decade or two in the future, but, you know, it's not necessarily always going to be that way. And I think, you know, of course, history tells us that, uh, you know, these, these monetary systems, when you don't act responsibly, uh, can ultimately end up, end up coming crashing down. And I think that's, that's, of course, the fear. And I think there's, there's huge costs that are opposed, you know, on the American people that, uh, uh, not just down the road, but even, even now, I mean, every dollar you're taking out of the private sector and you're putting it into the public sector and you're wasting money or borrowing even beyond, that has real world consequences on, on sort of the, the economy in the here and now. And that's, that it's, you know, it's, it's very frustrating as someone who, who thinks about these issues for a living that, uh, that, you know, oftentimes so many of our elected officials just don't seem to care. And then sometimes, not always, as you know, I, I'm, I believe in liberty and Americanism. I'm not a party guy. But every once in a while, a lying, no good. you got to remember I'm from Chicago. So when I say this, please keep in mind it's 50 years of abuse by these rats. Every once in a blue moon, even a Democrat, which is the equivalent of a blind squirrel, will make a statement that is true. And by that statement, I mean when they say, well, the Republicans explode spending and massively explode debt. They are, in essence, telling you a half-truth. That is true. And the problem isn't because their plans of lowering taxes on the on the producing capitalist American, regardless of party, actually does work because you're fueling the private economy while trying to support the, the government economy. But at the same time, what they do is almost even worse because they expand massively government spending. Now, can we, is this too complex to explain to the American people, or are we just going to do the Bernie Sanders party to the people, let's everybody be a Soviet, only we'll do it better because we got better clothes? Well, you know, I think that the average American actually does get it instinctively. I think that, unfortunately, you know, most people have, have more immediate things going on, right? They're concerned with their, their, their jobs, their education, their, their kids, their families. And, you know, it's, it's really tough. I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of the odd ones out to some degree in that we're the ones that think about these questions and, and you know, and, and, and care about questions like, you know, public finance. And so, so I think that the, the problem is not really one of, being able to explain it so much as just it's really hard you're competing against all of these other priorities that are you know oftentimes uh, uh more pressing but you know that doesn't mean that these things don't have very real consequences on the lives of people and i think that's the important thing to remember is that you know we, we people love to argue about politics regardless again of where you are in the spectrum but what it really should be about is improving the lives of, of individuals and you know the reason why we support things like personal liberty or economic liberty is because you know, of a belief and, and an understanding that, you know, it ends up being better for, for individuals over time. And, and I think that unfortunately, you know, the, the attitude that we see too often is just, you know, let's not worry about that. Let's just spend in the here and now and hope that it makes things better. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily treat the underlying problem, but it kind of papers it over and we'll, we'll worry about it later. But, you know, you, uh, you, you can't only be focused on those, those short-term things. You have to also think about the long-term consequences. And I think that's, uh, unfortunately, theoretically, the job of our elected officials, but too many of them, uh, you know, just don't, don't want to have to worry about it. In your opinion, just your opinion, because you've been doing this a while, you're very in tuned with uh, what, a, what a country, what American principles are supposed to be and what they are. Can a country that spends $600 billion strictly on debt service of existing debt, 
that spends $300 billion a month on social and government responsibilities, can it in fact spend its way out of this situation or does do the American people have to understand we have to in fact start to become somewhat fiscally responsible or just become the next Rome? Yeah, I mean, we we do have to be fiscally responsible. I mean, you know, look, we we have some luxuries in this country that other other places don't have, but that doesn't mean that those luxuries are going to be there forever. And so, you know, we have to ultimately be smart about it. I mean, you know, I'll give you a great example. You mentioned earlier, you know, Afghanistan and how we're reducing our presence there. And I think it's amazing that so few have raised the question, well, you know, we're we're pulling out of Afghanistan where's the savings? You know, why are we continuing to go and spend even more on the Pentagon when we're changing our mandate there? And, you know, I think that that's the kind of thinking that we, we should be, how we should be approaching this. And, and, you know, again, you don't, I mean, yes, you need to tackle these big, these big programs, but it's, it's so disheartening sometimes that even on a very micro level like that, you know, you don't have people, what I would say, thinking in a very commonsensical manner and saying, look, we're, we're changing here. Why aren't we seeing those cost savings? You know, the, the Cold War ended and we, and we saved a substantial amount of money in the Pentagon's budget. But, you know, at this point, we end, we end the longest war in the country's history. And somehow that means that we need to spend, you know, spend even more. And, that, and, and to your point, I mean, you know, this is something that we have a Democratic House, a Democratic Senate, effectively, and a, and a Democratic president, and they're still not even asking these kinds of questions. So it's, uh, you know, that's that's the thing is that this problem this problem exists uh, on both sides. They, you know, different different parties have different priorities, and 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 certainly sometimes they spend spend more on different things. But uh, uh, you know, this is the kind of thinking that we really need to to start uh, in trying to encourage. Jonathan, this is why yours and my tent in the indoctrination camps of the future will be the most interesting because we're going to have these kind of talks. And I appreciate you very much for coming on. Jonathan Bidlack, Director of Governance Program at the R Street Institute and the creator of SpendingTracker.org. I want to thank you personally for creating it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for having me. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. I love this little guy. I love him. He was he had the physique of a Mike Madigan Mafia member. I could sing them, huh? Love it, love it, love it. Um, I am so um, distraught at the idea nobody ever asks a politician, what's the plan to get out of it? Simple. What is the plan to get out of it? All you talk about is this nonsense, how you're going to expand, expand, expand. In fact, on Flannery Fired Up, he had on David Axelrod, who is a... Not only a very, very, very rich man, nouveau riche, lives on the Gold Coast. Me, even I'm pretty sure he's got the old condo with the two million dollar price tag on it. And when asked about the problems in Chicago, he just said, "Spend more." Literally, that was just just spend more, spend more. How do you get out of it? Anybody got an idea? Nick on the Northwest Side. Yeah, Sean, fantastic job that you're doing. I was saying to the screener that we have a little historical perspective on World War II, all of us do, on how things were handled then when the government needed money. As far as when they sold bonds to the people to finance the war, they could have just printed up a whole bunch of money. But they instead recognized that when you sell a bond that's a few minutes of somebody's hourly pay or some money they took out of their savings account, it represents something with a solid foundation that the government has a solid foundation on. 
Yeah. And uh, now all this money they're printing up is like diluting it. It's weak. Another term is inflating it. Correct. And we're headed for some big problems. After and Nick, let me ask you. I got. I got to go to. I got to go for the top of the hour. But let me ask you right. this. Let me ask you this. Would you buy a bond, yeah. an American bond today? Would you buy the America's future? Would you invest in America's future, economic future today? I, well, if it were the type of uh, like the war bonds of World War II, so uh, I'm just talking about now, the future bonds. of America. Would you buy a U.S. bond? Not with this administration and the way uh, they're handling things. Not that's the, the question, I, or that's the answer I wanted, because that's the truth. You cannot look at the policies of the Biden administration. You cannot look at the political situation. You cannot look at the situation in total and say America is a future I will invest in. You cannot. And for those of us that are not in on the scam, but we are earning money, we know that their entire agenda rests on persecuting us and extorting us. We'll discuss that and more when I get back. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is the Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a top of me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. It's the same formula. Rinse and repeat. Fear. Constantly have the people afraid. Afraid of anything. And they will give you everything. That's the political scoundrel's formula. And it works. And I don't give a rip what aspect of our lives we talk about. Whether it's the, the Fauci flu, whether it's the economy, whether it's insurance, it's old age. Oh, my God. I need the government to do what? Muck it up. It's all they ever do. Every problem we have is because of government. Every success we have is in spite of of government. This government is corrupt. Why you would invest in it unless you're in on the scam. And that's Janet Yellen last week. Oh, in fact, she's all for build back better. All for build. What is what the hell is build back better, stupid? Before the Fauci flu and government shutdown of the economy. The government shut down the economy. For a flu that I had, and I, millions of people had it, and guess what? 99% of those who got it lived. Lived. And in fact, now, they don't want to give you the stats on how many have it after the so-called vaccine, which isn't a vaccine at all. After all, the vaccinated people are afraid of the unvaccinated. So then you are admitting your vaccine sucks, like your plans for the economy. But as I sit here and watch this idiot... Wolf Blitzer, who's a cartoon character, this moron that he is. He's never been right, but yet he still has a job. Good thing for CNN. He's got very deep pockets. Very deep pockets. Now, here's the uh, potential consequences of U.S. default. First of all, it doesn't default. This itself is a lie. In order for the government to divert the $44 billion of the $388 billion it's been reaping in from the, the working people and from taxes in general, it would have to have a conscious decision to say, hey, out of that, two, that $388 billion, don't pay the $44 billion obligation to the debt. Don't pay it. 
Social Security in order to scare the old people. It would have to say, hey, screw the old people. Don't pay it. As far as Medicare and Medicaid, they're all in on that scam. It admits it's got billions upon billions upon billions of fraud. It just says, hey, those are our contributors in on that fraud. Pay them. This entire problem is government-orchestrated, government-manipulated, government-created, government-perpetuated. Perpetuated corruption and waste. And there are people out there that want to give these idiots more money? Why don't you go your own way? I am dead serious. Go your own way because everything you've done is a fraud and a failure. By the way, I wasn't going to play this clip, but I'm going to play it. You know how they were going to help everybody with the uh, PPP? How'd that work out? You have no idea how much of that was stolen. I say a tremendous amount. As far as their unemployment and their schemes, right here in Illinois, the hub of the Democrat mafia. After all, this is where everybody should point to. You want to know how government works? Take a look at Chicago. Take a look at Cook County. Take a look at Illinois. That has the most Democrat policies, the most corruption, the most fraud, And the most incompetence, these stupid son of dogs cannot get anything right. Cheryl, an Oak Lawn man was getting unemployment money in his name. The only problem is he never applied for assistance. So he returned the funds, but then he was told he owes more money back. I don't want it to happen to me. This would be called a bait and switch if it was was an actual scam. This is going to happen to everybody, and especially those people who are not registered Democrats. And I'm dead serious. These institutions are weaponized apparatchiks of the Fourth Reich. And they are coming for you if you're not a registered Democrat. I don't want it to happen to anyone else. Milton Gardner is gainfully employed, which is why he was surprised to get this letter from the Illinois Department of Employment Security saying they were sending him $1,500 in unemployment money. I didn't file for anything. Someone may have filed in his name, although most fraudsters get the money sent to themselves. In this case, Gardner little started scam receiving I really like. funds. After many attempts, Gardner talked to an IDES agent who gave him instructions to send the money back, which he immediately did. Then he got a letter saying he owed close to a $100 balance. So Gardner says he spent even more time trying to get in touch with an IDES agent to ask why. By the way, when I was uh, raked over the coals and they said that there was a problem from 2008, this was the kind of dollar amount they wanted from me, and this is why they held up my tobacco license. These are the kind of things you face when you speak out. Oh, you, you, you owe $98. All right, I'll send you 115 Oh, we didn't get the money. Well, you sent it to the wrong department. Uh, you're going to have to wait. Now you're going to need a letter. This is the example of the Democrat mafia in work, in action. This is how it works even when it tries to help you. This guy didn't apply for this. He didn't want it. He got it. He returned the money. Now you owe $100? This is why you start ear slapping people. This is absolutely outrageous. And you think this government can do anything right? You believe their shtick? of curing poverty, their war on poverty created one thing, more people living in poverty. You show me a ghetto, I'll show you a Democrat mayor, a Democrat councilman, a Democrat alderman, a Democrat everything. They don't know how to win because they're losers. They just know how to capitalize on the corruption and the failure. And the idea that you're going to turn over more power, and it's not you because you didn't do it. But there are people out there that think this is going to work. And all you have to do is tell them there's something for nothing in there. 
into this, though, the president has said during the campaign that none of his family will have any business relationship with anyone that relates to a foreign corporation or a foreign country. Wouldn't it be assuring to the American people as we head into this if they just let the American people know if Hunter has divulged himself of well, that? Again, I, I, I conveyed to you, and then I think I'm going to have to move on, that you should no, talk to you should talk to his representatives. And there's no reason to yell. I'm certainly not yelling. You should talk to his representatives. That remains his policy. He's been working to wind that down. Beyond that, I think we'd talk to his representatives. There's every reason to yell, Pippi Lystocking, you dimwit sorority stuck-up moron. There's every reason to yell. Because you've been lying, thieving, stealing, bastardizing Americanism. And now you're going to tell me how great it's going to be? When the reality is everything you touch turns to gaga. Just a fact. Anybody want to know what's going on in the real world? Anybody want to talk about how your policies in eight and a half short months, what you've done to this country cannot be undone. You're just going to have to go through the recession. Come on in, Andy Posda. I want you to come on on to this. Uh, I-, I want you to talk to us about these holiday delays. You've got a shipping problem. You've got a trucking problem. You've got a supply chain problem. How bad are these delays going to be? And how seriously will it hurt the economy? Uh, the delays are going to be substantial, and they're going to hurt the economy in that they will exacerbate uh, the problems that already exist with respect to inflation. And as you know, inflation is a tax on the working and middle class more than it's a tax on anybody else. That's right, because this just in, rich people can afford it. Rich people can afford it. It's the poor people that can't. It's the people they pretend to be helping that get destroyed. Now, granted, if you're on food stamps, you've got a 27% kick because Biden, diapers Biden and his apparatchiks of communists and Marxists and socialists knew they better bribe the people they pretended to help the most in the beginning. But you'll be the ones who feel it the most in the end. Tom Palis Park. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Hey, listen, I wonder how many people in the Chicagoland area are aware of what the Chicago Democrats do to small business on an annual basis. About this time every year, I get a bill in the mail, $300 for the right to hang my sign for another year. That's just your sign fee. That's it's just your sign. sign fee. That's it's your... a public way fee because your sign's been hanging there, and to get it to hang there another year, you gotta pay the you gotta pay the vig. It's three hundred dollars, and that's just that fee. How many other things do you pay for your own abuse? How many how many other little ticky tack between the licenses? I'm I don't know. Do you have a liquor license? No, I don't have a liquor license. Okay, um, or, or it's a simple retail operation. But yeah. in the beginning. Seven years ago, we paid the permit fees. We paid all the fees to get that sign to hang. And for seven years in a row, we've gotten a $300 bill for the right to keep it hanging for the next year. So that's, that's $2,100. money going to the city. That's $2,100. a lot of money for the city. Yeah. Could your kids use the $2,100? Could you use the $2,100? Could your wife use the $2,100? These are all the things. And for that $2,100, what's the climate of your your peace and tranquility. And in, for that matter, what's your sales like seven years later? You know, sales, we've been fortunate. I mean, but we have to keep our nose to the grindstone every single day. And they justify these increases by saying, oh, it's only 90 cents a day. You know, that stuff adds up. It does. And that's why they do it, because it adds up in their pocket and it comes right out of yours. And it's so small 
that they think you're just not going to say anything or that people don't care. And the reality is, it's it, the way I look at it, this is $2,100 off your table for your kids. So thank you, Tom. Imagine, Go ahead. Imagine how many small businesses are going through that in the city of Chicago. Well, I could that tell by how many empty huge. stores. I could tell by how many empty stores. I had to go in the city for the first time in a long time. I, I, I just stuck my toe in. I went to Erie Street Cafe yesterday. And um, just to see the climate around there and to see the amount of people, the, the lack of the people on the streets, the fear, even those people that were at the restaurant were there because the person we, you know, who was throwing the party we love. So everybody inconvenienced themselves and went to the city. But the fear that they all had of parking their car and going to the restaurant, all of it. He had to have the valet just so we didn't have to deal with that. And, you know, it's a different world. It's a different climate, and it's sad to see it go through. Tom, thank you so much. I hope everything goes well for you there. I really do. And here's the good news. If it doesn't, wherever you go, there's not another city in the country, or at least one that's run by a Republican, that would have the audacity to charge you a sign-hanging fee. What an absolute scam. 312-642-5600. This is what we need to know. Every way they're extorting, persecuting the capitalists. See, the Democrat Party has understood to demonize people in a society to motivate the masses. Not only to take the eye off the fact they're wallowing in their government-created ghettos, but to get their hate together so you can pick out the few in society and prosecute them. Constantly go after the successful. This country, you should be paying homage to the people who have managed to navigate this Rube Goldberg taxation and still remain capitalists. After all, they're the ones that make the government supply the money to go around. Not the government. Government can't do anything but print, borrow, and fail. Mike, in his car. Hi, Mike. Hello, Sean. Yes. How are you doing? Good, buddy. You know what? When I heard uh, the caller talking about uh, the $300 sign fee... (laughs) It just kind of picked at a scab, and uh, I felt like, you know, I better call and, and give them the rest of the story, too. Yes, I will. Um, I have an, a sign on my building, so I pay that $300 fee as well. Um, I also have an awning on my building, so I pay a separate permit for an awning. Hmm. I also, my sign is also connected to my building with a tripod on the roof, so I pay an iron worker's um, permit because it's made of iron. I pay a permit because I have central air conditioning in my office, so I pay a permit for that. And I also get a a letter every year that talks about how if I don't keep the garbage picked up around my office, and I'm right next door to a restaurant, which they're real nice people, but people come out of a restaurant and they throw their garbage all over. You know, if I don't keep it looking good, I'm subject to a $250 fine. So I have to pick up. After the litterers, and I mean, of course, they never uh, bust anybody for littering, but they'll get me if I don't pick up after them. Now, Mike, when so, you're driving through the ghetto of Chicago and you see the graffiti, when you see the trash over all the streets that the government is supposed to maintain, does it make you want to go home and slap somebody? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It's, huh? it's crazy. Well, it's you, you know, and you just inch by inch, they squeeze you. Mike, um, I'm going to guarantee you, I have represented many a business, sold many a commercial real estate. I guarantee you, in Florida, 
in South Florida, I can't tell you about the the, the Democrat-run counties because they're all the same, the corrupt mafia bastards. But in the Republican-run ones, those fees do not exist. So anytime you want to move, you call Liberty Real Estate Services, which will be audited on a regular basis from now on in perpetuity. Don, Orland Park. Hi, how you doing? Good. So um, I used to have a business in the city of Chicago, and I paid the sign tax as well. Only my sidewalk that the sign hung over was on private property. I tried to argue that with the city. I still got charged the tax because it was hanging over. They said a city sidewalk, but the city side, it wasn't a city sidewalk. The city sidewalk was near the street. My sidewalk was on private property. What do you think is more dangerous, your sign hanging over the sidewalk or the gangbangers who shoot the people and are never prosecuted? Which one would you say is more dangerous and who pays the fee for the gangs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Don. Well, hey, now you're in Orland Park. Stay there. You're safer, and everybody wins. 312-642-5600. We'll be back. This was my mother and my song when I was little. Yes, it was. We used to drive, and I remember this song coming out. Thank you for playing that. It's a very fond memory right there. Unlike, what do you think Joe Biden's memories, what do you think the voices in his head are telling him I understand when he first heard this chant, he called Barack Obama and said, a lot of people want to have sex with me. Hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. Told me you were going to kind of hang back. Let's go, Brandon. NASCAR this weekend. NASCAR. They have a way of chanting what they really feel. I love that. All right, we're going to go to the lines because Don and Southside must be kidding me. Don, Southside, you're joking, aren't you? Hey, uh, no, I'm not joking. My son's joined the army he's in basic training right now and then we got a letter saying that or it was online that uh, basically in order to go to his graduation you either have to have a covid vaccine or you need to be uh, show a uh, results of a negative test result well, but the time frame they gave you it's within like a day or two of the graduation plus you if if you get a negative result you don't have time to redo it or get another one so it's a very tight window you have to have that test done and have the results in by, oh. or you need to have the vaccine. We make the world go round so we could figure this out. What did they give you? Like they give you 24 hours or 48 hours? Well, you know, they said you have, the graduation is the day before Christmas, or, uh, Thanksgiving, so it's the 24th. All right. They said you have, from the, you have to have a test done. I dealt with this with my kid. My kid wanted to do something for school. She needed to do I said, listen to me, don't panic. They, they panic. There's Walgreens everywhere. You go to a Walgreens, they hand it to you through the thing, you stick it in the kid's nose, you pull it out, you this way in case it would be your nose, pull it out, you put it in the bag, and you give it to them. That would be my, my, my uh, way that I went. But you have to understand who you're talking to. I think this should be only be your choice. And people accuse me, you're an anti-vaxxer. No, I'm an anti-BSer. There's a big difference. And when you're shoving this stuff down everybody's throat and you're not telling them of the possibilities of side effects, when I know... On an aspirin, the possibility of side effects takes up half of the bottle, right? I don't care what it is. And when I see oily stool, I bail. No matter what it is, side effect oily stool, not for me. Bingo. There should at least be some warning labels on this, Don. So if I were you, I'd find the Walgreens, go to where you have to go, go, stick it in your nose and test. That would be my excuse. Or you'd you'd have your wife or somebody film it for you. But that's a tragedy. And I'm going to tell you. This is how you know they're lying to you. 
there are side effects of the vaccine. That's all I'm saying. If you feel you want to take it, I have no problem with you. But shouldn't they be telling us rather than cooking the books? I found this out of Arizona, where not only the Democrat women are chased in bathrooms in Arizona, but there's also some information that you're not going to hear unless you monitor all of the local news around the country. Over past the hour, thousands of Americans are questioning whether a shot to the arm actually hurt their ears. ABC 15 investigator Melissa Blaze is speaking to people all over the country who got the COVID vaccine and shortly afterward are now reporting ringing in their ears known as tinnitus. Every shot in the arm could prevent a potentially deadly virus. 200 million Americans have already rolled up their sleeves for the COVID-19 vaccine. Afterward, something weird happened to thousands of people who got vaccinated. Their ears started ringing, or their ringing got worse, a condition known as tinnitus. It was louder than the car radio while I was driving, and it stayed like that for three months. Now, see, I think that should be, you should, possible tinnitus. I thought it was tinnitus, but I didn't know it was tinnitus, but whatever, is a, is a possible side effect. That, that, that I want to know. I also wanted to know what happened with the mother that testified before Congress or, or at the uh, Ron Johnson hearings. I thought this was very important. Thank you, um, Senator Johnson, for the opportunity to share Maddie's story and to all of you for your willingness to listen. This isn't easy for me. And it's, this has been very clearly emotional. So I'm going to read what I've written so I don't lose track. My name is Stephanie, and this is my daughter, Maddie, and we live in Ohio. On January 20th, Maddie received her second dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine as a participant in the clinical trial for 12 to 15 year olds. All three of our kids volunteered and were excited to participate in the trial as a way to help us all return to normal life. The poor girl's in a wheelchair. I want to know all of it. Why are you protecting me from information? That's how you know it's a swindle. Now, if you got it and it worked out great, good. That's how ideally it would work for everybody. But do we not as individuals have the right to make these decisions for ourselves? But you are a member of society. And as a member of society, reaping all the benefits of being a member of society, you have a responsibility to society. I don't have a responsibility to swindlers. And if this is the test to be a member of society, okay, I don't want to be. Now what? Now what do you do? I don't want to be. Give me all my money back from Social Security. I don't want it. You don't owe me anything. Give it to me. I don't ever want Medicare, Medicaid. I don't want to give it to me. Now what? See, because I am a proud non-member of society. Oh, but I am. I'm an American. I don't owe you anything, pickle face. I don't owe the rest of you, Democrats. I don't want to mingle with you. I don't want you giving me your money, and I don't want to give you mine. So figure it out, Fauci and the rest of you fascist pigs. Kira Elgin. Sean, for the people like your first caller who sounds hopeless, do what I did. I'm coming back from the Ozarks five hours away, and guess what? People living normal lives. Did you yeah. see any cartel members? Were yeah. they trying to set you up and send us, own a strip joint? I love that Ozarks. Did you see it? Yes. I told right. you we have land there, and I'll give you the key code. The key's hanging on our tree for our 33-foot camper. But I'm going to the Ozarks. the rejuvenation I received by going there, no mask, sitting in restaurants, people-friendly, guys opening doors for me, smiling, having conversations, 
you can get over anything Illinois has to dish out. Just go somewhere, spend a weekend where it's normal. And Kira, doesn't it make you feel good being around fellow Americans, patriotic Americans, not the Marxist mafia, not these people who want to limit other people and make sure that everybody can drop their kid off at three years old and pick them up at 21 and they can't read a paper like Chicago, but actual Americans who want the good old-fashioned embracing of the Enlightenment known as American principles. Isn't it wonderful to be around fellow Americans like that? Absolutely, Sean. I've never seen so many American flags, and uh, I want to say some. A lot of signs that start with a T, if you know what I mean. Love it very much. Thank you, Kira. I appreciate it. This is the hard thing. But this is why you have me. I'm here to tell you Cook County, Chicago, the Democrat mafia is not the normal America you have to get used to. You may be beaten down by it. You may be used to it because you're born into it, the Chicago and the rest of it. But it's not normal, and you don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. And when you hear lying scumbags who could exist nowhere else but government, like Fauci, you tell him, shut your mouth, pickle face. And by the way, I want to see the numbers that you spent the people's money creating the Fauci flu. I want to know why you're not reporting it. Your apparatchiks, your propagandists are not reporting it the way it should be reported. After all, even though you you helped create it, Thank God it was created in China, and it's only got a .06 death rate, and 78%. Did you remember this from CNBC? See, I remember all the bad news. I never forget a scoundrel or bad news. 78% of the people who have been hospitalized, needed a ventilator, or died from COVID-19 have been obese. Yes, that's right, fatties. You are the problem, children. In fact... When you boil it down to recent news, Forbes, nearly 8 out of 10 people who were hospitalized for the coronavirus were either very overweight or clinically obese, according to the CDC, the very scoundrels who have us doing this left foot in, left foot out, shake it all about. You don't know what the hell you can do, but you're pretty sure you can't get together for Christmas or Thanksgiving. We can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell. You know, Margaret, we, it's just too soon to tell. We've just got to concentrating on continuing. It ain't too soon for me, dummy. You, I don't have a day to waste on Fauci or the Democrats, and you will not steal the enemy of us all time from me ever. Never. I will never let you steal my time. My time with my family, my kids, my grandmother. And by the way, my grandmother's gone. My uncles are old. But even when they were alive, they wouldn't have wasted a day on you. I could tell you that, pickle face. Not a day would you have stolen from me, and not a day have you stolen from me. I'll adapt. I will overcome, and I will win in the end. The Democrats will not steal my life. Will they steal yours? 312-642-5600. The Colonel stole me my Now we're talking. But Tuesday's just as bad. Especially when Democrats are in charge. That's how the blues got started. Democrats. Forever the Democrats were blues got started. Still implementing the policies that control the people, build the ghettos, and create that feudalism. Where they're going to tell you how you should live your lives. I think that's the part that really aggravates me. I was looking around yesterday, and it was a it was a through my my spouse that I was at this event. And you see all the people, how happy they were to be together. And you realize how so many people listen to these 
morons that have absolutely zero credibility. How they suspended being with loved ones. Time they can never get back. How many people died? You couldn't go to the go to the hospital or see them that last year. I mean, mothers and sons and daughters and the rest of it. I have a friend of mine who's locked up, can't go see him. Locked up in an institution because he's on the government dole and it stole his soul. It's my age. Now he's sitting in a hospital. I called to go see him. He can't go COVID restrictions. Oh, okay. You know, he'll be dead and I wouldn't have seen him or what how does that change your life? And you can't quantify it. But you can recognize it and you can understand who stole that time from you. Politicians. That's all Fauci is. A politician. Doctor My Derriere. It's no doctor. It's preposterous. Greg and LaGrange. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Good. The vaccines are supposed to when you when you get administered these shots, you're supposed to get the the side effects listed on there, and you're supposed to have the the person that's giving you the sh- the shot list them out. The point being here is that this push to move all this product out is is really it, it's it's so scary because you don't know what the future will be. They they really accelerated the process, and that's what people are worried about. And and here's the big thing, the the unspoken story, and you saw a little bit of it in New York. The uh, minorities, uh, the African-Americans, the blacks, the Hispanics, maybe not so much the Hispanics, they don't want to take, for, for the most part, they're the ones that are most hesitant. by the And they, sh- they shouldn't be, they, they sh- can't, they shouldn't be forced. Yeah, they can't no one square the forced. circle here. Yeah. They cannot square the circle here because they can't go after that group. All these people that are so woke can't go after that group. That's where it's going to consume each other. Here's what they can find out, though. Did you know that the body mass index of the people who died, most of whom were over 25% of fat to muscle, so they were clinically obese, and in the neighborhoods where they say it's affecting poor people the greatest. Do you know why, Greg? Because among American poor, the most common disease is obesity. That's what they don't want you to connect the dots of. This is a disease, and it's dangerous. It's a virus, it's a flu, and it's dangerous. But the fact of the matter is they don't want you to dissect the data. The bulk of the people who die from it are obese. End of story. Its kill rate is 0.05%. Less than 1% of the people who get it die. They don't want you to know that because they understand if you know that, you will lose the fear that they need to control you. It's why they try to implement it in the spending bill. It's why they implement it in your old age. It's why they know all they need to do is create that fear, and they got you. Susan, Highland Park. Hey there. So um, this weekend, a lot of interesting things around all kinds of topics came to to bear. And I I would just say, you know, my, my cousin was presented this problem this weekend. Her best friend in Colorado said, I don't want you coming to my house for the holidays. Then she's not her best friend. Thank you, Susan. I hate to do this to you. You know I love you, but I'm against the break. Then she's not your friend. Thank her. I want to know. I only want to be around people who are not fascists. I'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now... 
with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America. He's here to seize back our rights from the government with a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other. He's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. All right, we need... Uh... See, here's the thing. I think that people that believe in freedom, liberty, and Americanism, we're going to always win. We may go through very difficult times and moron politicians from time to time, but ultimately... We will win. There's a lot of wisdom in what we believe. After all, we're the only ones that are not advocating force. So when Misty said it's time to get Stephen Kent on, he's the author of How the Force Can Fix the World, Lessons on Life, Liberty, and Happiness from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. I said, I too think the only uh, saving grace will be aliens and their new money to help us bail out the dollar. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to alien cryptocurrency saving the world. I mean, there's got to be something because it certainly isn't these idiots that are making the rules down here. If we can't get the gold standard back, we might as well get some currency from Mars. That's absolutely correct. So you actually wrote uh, a book on how the force can fix the world. Come on, tell me. Because the reality is that movie, when you really step back and look at it, was really kind of an homage to American principles. I mean, really, am I reaching on that? I don't think I am. No, I don't think you are. I mean, so this, this book that I, that I have coming out in November is about how Star Wars, uh, you know, despite all of its lumps and bruises that it's taken over the course of 40 years, is still one of the most popular and beloved stories uh, that exists sort of in the cultural commons today. We don't have much in common across this country, this huge populist country today when it comes to values, religion, beliefs, and and cultural value systems. But we do still share some common myths and stories amongst each other. Marvel is one of those things, right? So Marvel comic book stories. And then Star Wars. It it goes back to 1977, four generations of people united around the Skywalker tale, which is a story of individualism and overcoming evil. Um, and this is a book that I wrote sort of as a love, lo- a love letter to the relevance of that franchise and why it will always matter and bind us together more than it divides us. So I was, uh, I was nine, ten years old when that came out. My mother, you know, born in the 40s, she's like, all right, let's see what all the rage is. She takes me to the movie, and uh, I enjoy it. My mother falls asleep. And I remember thinking to myself, boy, oh, boy, they were battling the evil empire. Which really, at that time, you got to remember in 1977, I thought to myself, okay, it, it, it has more correlation to the Soviet government than it does the American government. When I watch that movie today, I say to myself, that's the American government. I mean, it, are, are, are you not seeing the, the parallels? <laughs> I, oh, I am. And I think you definitely caught up to, uh, to where George Lucas was back in the 70s and 80s being really skeptical of American, you know, not imperialism, not necessarily the right word, but sort of premacy on the world stage in the post-World War II order. Um, There was sort of no doubt that in that world, after winning that great war, uh, that we had sort of reached now to a point where we were kind of meddling in the affairs of countries where we don't belong. Uh, You could make a case, of course, for Vietnam, but I think we all look back on that and say that wasn't the right place to be or the right time. And that was his era. (laughs) That was his era. That's what he was fresh off of. 
And, um, and we stumbled right into the same thing in Afghanistan and Iraq. So, you know, we just kind of never learned. And, you know, another thing that I, that, I, that I find very interesting is that I've always said those principles that originally spawned what, would, what some people, I think the hippies were co-opted. But if you look at those, those originals of the old version of the hippies, they, yeah. the, the, there was a, a, an area, a number of them, that were really would be considered modern-day kind of libertarians. And when I heard some of the outcry from the Occupy Wall Street movement, I said, well, about half of them get it right. They just come to the wrong conclusion. Do you think that it's so much so that those people who would be considered, I think are falsely labeled um, on the right or Republicans, actually are American-principled, steeped patriots who really want kind of the same thing as the old-fashioned liberals or or hippies, and that it's within those people will be the cure for the problems of the corporatists, Republicans, the outright Marxists calling themselves Democrats. Oh, I mean, I I think so, absolutely. So like George Lucas, just kind of going back to Star Wars a little bit, I mean, he's kind of an example of that hippie Vietnam generation, you know, kind of classic liberal, right? Well, those liberals, those kinds of Democrats, they don't fit into the Democratic coalition of today at all, um, either because they are um, too libertarian in some of their social attitudes, too live and let live about most things, uh, or they're not on board with sort of corporate wokeism. Like I was just today looking at an article in Bloomberg arguing that Facebook and Amazon need to both have seats at the United Nations because they are as great and powerful as countries anyways, so they should just have representation in the UN. And I just thought right back to George Lucas's Star Wars Episode One, where the Trade Federation and the bad guys of the entire prequel trilogy of Star Wars are companies, mega corporations who have representation in a democratic republic. It's pretty frightening, and we just kind of find ourselves in these these loops, these cycles in history where things repeat themselves. What I liked about capitalism, and I say liked in past tense knowing that it has forever been bastardized, um, but what I liked about capitalism is that, to me, companies had an obligation to not partake in politics unless they were willing to be corrupted by it and accepted it. So industries like the railroad, industries like the airlines, I was very well aware that they had been bastardized and they were no longer capitalists. When you see the Dow Jones, all 30 companies are underwritten by the American people. They're too big to fail movement and all the rest of this nonsense. I thought that the saving grace would be, ironically, the um, social Internet, World Wide Web, as I call it, because I'm old. But I thought it would be the social platforms that would say, hey, we're going to let everybody do whatever they want to do. After all, we're the last holdout of capitalism and freedom. You no, saw John, it. And that gets us far away from, I mean, like the Milton Friedman doctrine, right, of, of the 1980s and the well, that's Ronald me. Reagan administration. Yet the idea was, you know, that the, the market was driven by shareholder theory. This is what Friedman had, had pushed for so many years, that the sole responsibility of any corporation is to its shareholders. And we're now in a new era where the sole responsibility of any company is deemed as being corporate responsibility, which is, you know, just sort of a nice way to say far left social causes that get you applause on the internet, but actually lose you business. It's a strange, it's a strange time we're in. And when you saw the whistleblower come out last night that I did not lead with, because to me, 
That was no whistle she was blowing. That was the obvious. Ta-da, they're a, they're a company that are not only out for profit, but are going to now peddle at an agenda and stoke the divisiveness because that's where they make their money. I mean, I didn't think it was it was a, a whistleblower moment where some, they were, she was saying something that, that the people shouldn't have already known. Am I just too jaded? <laughs> Oh my gosh! I, I was laughing at that whole story because I thought it was it was odd that we were calling this person a whistleblower. This has been widely reported. We all knew that this was going on. I'm not sure exactly uh, what makes her a whistleblower besides that she might have violated some NDAs in her post Facebook career. But you know, I, I what I found remarkable about what she was saying about Facebook's algorithms and sort of the changes that they have made towards prioritizing toxicity is this is what chapter one of my book, How the Force Can Fix the World, is about. How Facebook and moving away from a chronological timeline towards an algorithmic timeline where it feeds us what it thinks we want to see has created a huge humility and intellectual humility problem in our culture where we're just not used to being fed information that we might not otherwise want to see. Um, You know, we're about 10 years in on this social experiment that Facebook has been putting us all in on. And I got to say, left, right, center, it's not good for us. Uh, And the best thing that can happen to us is losing connectivity to Facebook uh, like we all experience today. Do you think that um, the experiment, as it were, to me not only is failing, but is causing irreparable damage and that the country, in fact, is dividing and it's actually more along the political lines than than I think the the social engineers thought it would be, and that they may have overplayed their hand, and that by getting the divisiveness that they wanted, you could forever start a movement of states that believe in kind of those old-fashioned American principles and Americanism that will put up a fight because they have enough population to do so, and that they could have, in fact, started a war they didn't, they didn't necessarily want or underestimate it. Well, I, I think what's clear to me, just looking at the, the power of these, these platforms and also the political capital that they've accumulated, is that they are, they're finding themselves in the hot seat now. Like Mark Zuckerberg, I really kind of believe he went into this whole enterprise as kind of an anarcho-market libertarian who just wanted to bring people together, challenge power, cause trouble. Like he was kind of known to be like a corporate troublemaker, and particularly in his days in the Ivy League. But at some point, fear of the government, fear of systems, makes these people participants in the system. And now they're just trying to keep as much power as they have before it gets wrested away from them by regulators. And then you can argue that regulation might be right or wrong for them, but what is definite is that they're going to kick the door closed on any other people who could challenge their platforms. That's what regulation is all about, um, you know, trying to make the rules more onerous for the entire industry so that they become the only people who can navigate that legal framework. And haven't they, in fact, become too big to be private? And in fact, they've, they put themselves on this path yeah. where they, I believe you're right, by the way, I think that they will be co-opted by the government. And that no longer will Facebook, and I think Amazon has a fear of this, no longer will they be deemed to be able to be prop, to be private, that they will be forced to become a, an asset of the government. I think that that's not far off when you look at a government that is very comfortable with these new fascistic um, kind of avenues they've taken. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the amount of data and information that they have on us 
is already highly in demand by the United States government. They already find very nice and gentle ways to get their hands on it. Like a good example is when uh, crimes happen that sort of fit into the, the specter of, of domestic or possibly imported terrorism. Like you've seen this with a couple of shootings. The one that happened out in San, Ber San Bernardino several years back that was sort of tied back to Islamic fundamentalism. Um, the FBI leaned heavily on Apple to get into their phone, right, so that they could try to find out who they were working with, who they were colluding with, to try to hack these iPhones. And then it basically turned into, we want to know how to get into all iPhones. We want to make sure that people cannot have encrypted devices. And this is why people are fleeing the mainstream media or social media platforms to go to heavily encrypted devices. Um, you know, a lot of people are kind of going off the grid of like places like WhatsApp or Facebook, right, to go to more, um, I don't know, I guess more secure sort of alternatives yeah. where you're not going to have your privacy violated by big tech who is looking to collude with the government so that it gets them off their back. Do you have, if the government were to co-op Facebook, if they were to grab these sites, you know, we have this, this expression of wokeism. Reality is you have a bunch of people who are at a high position in corporations who now feel that maybe they should be part of the government arm. Yeah. Do you not think that this could be the end of all privacy as we knew it, as we think of it, and that the government will then have an avenue to every aspect of our life when that, once they have that data? Yeah, I, I do, Sean, and I, I hate to be pessimistic, but I, I think that there are certain things in life that are just sort of self-fulfilling prophecies. And, you know, I kind of came on here with sort of a, a bent of Star Wars, so I'm going to spin this back to it for yeah. you. And one of, one of the key lessons of the Star Wars story that I talk a whole lot of, about in my book is how we all view ourselves as the rebellion. All of us out there, the, the far lefties, the far righties, everybody, if they view themselves as virtuous people, they view themselves as the rebels who are taking on an empire. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that George Lucas always tried to instill in us in the story, and it's done particularly by Luke Skywalker in the moment in The Empire Strikes Back when he, he confronts Darth Vader in a cave, right, a vision, and then he chops off the head of Vader and he sees his own face beneath the mask. The lesson of this entire story is that if you are not careful, even you and your high-minded ideals, you become the boogeyman. Eventually, you become the empire. And this story of like Facebook and big tech with their rebellious kind of libertarian attitudes, well, they, were, they started off that way, but eventually they're going to become the empire, and they're going to do it to try to keep themselves safe and secure their own, their own interests at the expense of others. And frankly, that's just sort of the, the endless cycle of history. We have to always be wary of our dark side and be willing to notice when it's rearing its head and check it. I love it. I tell you what, I'm going to go home and watch it tonight because you've given me that perspective and I haven't seen it in a while. I'm going to go home and watch it. And it's because of you. I'm looking forward to this book. In fact, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to buy a book and I'm going to give it away to a caller. When is the book released? The book is out on November 9th, so just about a month from now. You can go ahead and pre-order it. So I'm going to pre-order a book, and I'm going to give it away to a caller. But I'm going to do to you what I like to do to authors that I'm interested in. I want you to send me one signed, your favorite interview ever on this earth. What do you think about that? <laughs> you got it, Sean. All right. Now, I called you Stephen. It's actually Stephen, so please forgive me. Um, oh, it's Stephen. No, no oh, it's Stephen? No All right, good. Stephen, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. 
We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. Oh, I love the doors. Love the doors. Well, that's... The doors are Van Morris. All right, so I got to tell you something. This is a great lead-in for Conspiracy Make Me Believe Monday. Because do you realize what happens if the government is able to seize Facebook? They've already been working with them. I mean, I think that's the big story. Only certain certain players in the government. But once they seize that, then why not seize Amazon? I mean, in this new socialist America, play the play it out. You're entitled to everything, right? We got to take and spend and do all this because you're going to get everything. It's going to be this new United Soviet States of America. What happens to these big companies? They just become arms of the government. I mean, you could argue that to a certain extent, they already are. The only way they can operate is with their permission, with their cooperation and the rest of it. So why not just take Facebook? I mean, the the whistleblower came out. Facebook's an evil company. They're capitalists. They just want to make money. They stoked the division, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I don't know. I didn't think it was news, but think about it from the aspect of the Soviet citizen now, the American Soviet. Why not just take it? And now it's uh, the government. I mean, you could still call it Facebook. You could turn it on, but it's the government. It's interesting. It's interesting. And then, I mean, you look at, we talked about Ford last week. Ford's a government company. They can't exist without the government. I mean, think about all the municipal cars they sell. Those, you think, what do you think? They think the government says, okay, I'm going to buy uh, 8 million cars. I want a deal on them. Or do they say, look, you keep your scam going. We're going to buy 8 million cars. We're going to pay absolutely full sticker and the rest of it. And uh, you keep this thing running. Whenever you need money, you got money. People aren't going to say much. We're going to cloud it as you've got to have it for the jobs. You realize they've they've slow cooked and destroyed this capitalist system by targeting major players in it. And the only industry, the only area of our economy they didn't really have a foothold was Silicon Valley. They were the only ones that could fight them off. Well, now, thanks to this new definition of what it means to be woke and social engineering and the platform and communication, now they just got to take these companies. And then where's the dystopian future? Who are you going to be in? Are you going to be a freedom fighter, or are you just going to be part of it walking around in your gray suit? Don Bloomingdale. Hey, Sean. I was just uh, in a free country or a free state in Texas last week visiting my new grandson, oh, and I drove past the uh, drove past the brand-new Tesla plant being built down there, uh, over 5 million square feet. Wow. And I thought to myself, wow. This is this is a company that just moved out of California to avoid paying them, and now they're going to pay Texas. But this is government money. This this, this is subsidized business. Tesla's not free enterprise. No, it's not. Well, it's here's the problem. Its products get a benefit if you buy them. You got a government tax break, and they subsidize the purchase. Yeah, but Tesla yeah, yeah. Tesla is far more a private company than Ford. Far more a private company than GM. I mean, it's the American auto companies that are no that are quasi government companies. I I think Tesla and in particular, um, what's his name? The guy who owns it with the I can't think. Elon of Musk. Elon Musk. I think that Elon yeah. Musk is far more a rebellious owner of a car company than any board that is is interactive with government. I mean, the the girl who ran GM after the collapse in 08 
was a bureaucrat from the Obama administration that they put in. So, I mean, ironically, I understand your point, and and believe me, I argued against it. You used to get $14,000 worth of tax advantage if you bought a Tesla. If you were a high earner, you bought a Tesla, you got a a subsidy of $14,000, and that was, you know, the government gave you that subsidy. But if you think about the ownership, it's interesting, because if that's the case, they would have stayed in California. He fled California to avoid the 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 prosecution of of democrat politicians so i think he put and and then if you look at him with the spacex he's putting up a fight although i don't know the minutiae of the subsidy it's interesting i think i think it's more of a private company than ford or gm or chrysler do you okay i'll give you that but i mean would tesla be as big as they are without those government subsidies no no the the answer is no our idea don you and me and our version of capitalism and the Vanderbilt capitalism, yeah, gets, no, those days are nobody gone. Nobody gets nothing. Those days are gone. Yeah, and yeah, we're, nope. yeah. We'll take your calls after this, 312-642-5600, Make Me Believe Monday. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Make them listen to me before it's too late! Everyone, they're here already! Make Me Believe Monday. The Rand Corporation, in conjunction with... The saucer people. Thank you. Under the supervision of the reverse vampires are forcing our parents to go to bed early in a fiendish plot to eliminate the meal of dinner. We're through the looking glass here, people. I was fighting the power and breaking conspiracies before you saw your first chemtrail, you punks. (laughs) That is the best. Keith put that together. He has no expressions on his face, but he is good at that. There's no question about it. (laughs) <laughs> now I, I I get to see what people are going to say I love this part of it I get to see what they're going to say Because the lovely Misty Callahan Puts down you know a little synopsis of what they're going to say So before I take Lee and Berwin's call And I am going to take Lee and Berwin's call I think he's exactly right already Unless he screws it up with the delivery But I want you to hear this Good morning. This is just one of the two incidents that happened within the week where the state's attorney's office did not pursue charging anyone after someone had died from an incident. They're calling this mutual combatants. Now, just Friday morning, the Austin neighborhood was dealing with a SWAT situation. Police told us they were called to the home near the corner of West Potomac and North Mason Avenue. That's where two vehicles pulled up. People got out and started firing off at a home. The people inside returned fire, eventually killing one of the gunmen from outside. Now, multiple. Yeah, nobody should be charged for that. Did you agree to kill each other? Don't worry about it. It's the new mutual combat. It's an excellent point. I mean, you know, the old Vikings, you know, from my research, they didn't believe you got to Valhalla unless you died in a battle and you had to have a weapon in your hand to go to Valhalla and you fought all day in the Viking heaven. And at night you would feast with the shield maidens and you would you know have fun all night and drink and the lap dances and the whole nine yards and the next day you did the same thing so see i think i like this new chicago i like it mutual combat baby it works out perfectly and if you are a gang-banging scumbag roach you love this you're really reaping the benefits lee and berwin hey how you doing buddy good lee it's uh, you're uh, Sean from Owen Park. I'm Lee from Grandin Harlem, my friend. Wonderful, wonderful. Look at you. We all got the neighborhoods. Yeah. Great. All right, all right. So anyway, I told your producer, 
It's got to be one or two things, and I don't think I have to convince you. Kim Fox, the pseudo-police chief, and Lori Lightfoot are either threatened or getting bought off by these gangs. There's no other explanation, and I don't think I have to try to convince you. No, I, 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 not only do I agree with you. Perfect agreement. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate you participating. You. I'm actually going to build upon that. Look at the money being made by the cartels and the drug business under the Democrat leadership. Just take a look at it. It's never been better. Heroin is at 1971 prices. Sure, food has doubled and building materials. That's all inflated. But heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, crack is whack, and Hunter Biden specializes in it. I love it. Crack is whack, except if you're Hunter Biden. You get all juiced up on that. You create some artwork. You sell it for a few million. That's fine, too. Look at how the cartel business and the gangs, street gangs, throughout the country, they're raking it. It's the best year ever. Worst year for honest business. Best year for scumbags. Now, why stop, Lee? I'm going to say this. Why stop with Kim Fox and Lori Lightfoot? I think all the Democrats are in on the drug business. What do you think of that? It's a great scam. Gangs are thriving under the Biden administration. They're the only ones. Tom, Blue Island. Sean, how's it going? Very good, buddy. I've heard that term crack is whack from numerous employees that I had to get rid of out here in Blue Island. Unbelievable. Sure. I will say I do I do miss Whitney Houston. I really do. I can't believe that she uh, my, fell prey yeah. to that scumbag Bobby Brown. Look at everything that guy touched. He was like the Biden of his time. Everything he touched turned to Gaga. Go ahead, buddy. My conspiracy, and I told Missy, I don't know how much of a conspiracy it is anymore or shouldn't be. I believe Fauci was involved in trying to take down the Trump presidency way back in 2019. He already had the China connections. All right, but listen, I think you're the China connections too small, too small. You're thinking too small. Fauci has been in this position Almost as long as Joe Biden has been years. selling. Almost his, as long as you and I have been alive. Almost, right? It's Big Pharma that owns Fauci. And Big Pharma, right. I want you to think about this. Think about the idea that these pharmaceutical companies created Oxycontin and other opioids that they knew people were going to be massively addicted to. And think about the drug problem in America and the government paid for drug problem under Fauci's employment from the time Fauci got hired in 1968 to right now. What has pharmaceutical companies done, the power they've gained, the money they've made, the amount of American citizens that have been lured under the big pharma, we can fix it. What are you, depressed? We got it. Your husband cheating on you, take this pill. Your kid doesn't listen, have him take this pill, yada, yada. Look at what's happened under Fauci's tutelage. So forget about Trump. He's a stitch in time. Look at what has happened to the country under Fauci's employment. And you could argue that he is a key cog in the big pharma takeover of America. That I believe. See, I make the uh, conspiracies even better. Just got to think it out, baby. Play through. Follow through. It's the best thing in golf swings and fist fights. Marriages, follow through. Although that last one we could argue. Tracy. Rensselaer. Hi, Sean. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, Don't be nervous. I like. <laughs> I love when the ladies call. You're my favorite ones. You think I want to talk to Don? No, I want to talk to Tracy. Go ahead. 
No offense, Dad. There's an epidemic of Lyme disease going on in the Midwest, and the CDC won't tell people. Um, everyone who's out there that's exhausted, tired, has aches and pains, and don't understand why they have them, it could be Lyme disease. You know what treats Lyme disease, don't you? Rem, no. Uh, hydroxychloroquine. And rem, no, remdesivir. Remdesivir treats oh, well. Lyme disease. And they don't um, want actually, you to know there's no it. cure for it if he's had it for too long. Oh, great. You'll have it forever. Well, that explains all those freaks I see at the DNC party every year. Very good. Well, thank you very much for calling, Tracy. Thank you. All right, I'm going to believe her, just because I like her. Believe. All right, we got Candace. Candace, I'm going to, you're too good. I can't fit you in and go to break. You hang on there, and you adjust your tinfoil hat. We will get back to Candace and the rest of you. 312-642-5600 after this. Oh, I tell you what, Bunny's the best. I'm, I'm really starting to become a fan. Josh was my guy, and I miss him. He had me with the music. You're coming up close. I love it very much. You know, when it comes to these segments, this is Misty Callahan, the lovely Misty Callahan, and her husband who come up with these ideas. It's very good. I love this segment. I wanted to do one on how the GDP number is 70% fraud, but they didn't think it would be interesting. I think they're wrong, though. I think we could workshop that a little bit. Candace, Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. What do you got there? You are the queen of the tinfoil. What do you got? Okay, I got a good one. I was watching a New York City thing today with the teachers, and a lot of people really don't realize what this is already about. They already have a contract to vaccinate kids, in my opinion. Because if you found that one woman from Illinois who had all those documents, who was smart enough to look it all up, it's all about money. Oh, I I think you're right. First of all, did you know this? Did you know that Moderna used to have the patent on uh, ivermectin, but they lost. They get you know the time expired, and then it, they went. I thought it was Merck. Oh, is it Merck? I thought it was. Yeah, it was Merck. Oh, all right, it was Merck. See, I um, should have known. That's why you're the queen. Okay. Go ahead. Anyway, okay, they let then, it go, and well, then they came out with a new that. one. It's got the same principles of ivermectin. Go ahead. Yeah, in order in order to do that, they have to uh, get rid of familiarity with the kids to catch them off guard because they're going to do it without the parents' consent. And those teachers would have gotten in the way, and that's why they're really getting rid of them. So they're getting rid of the teachers. I want to get this straight. I want to walk through. They're getting rid of the teachers because the teachers are putting up the resistance to forcing the shot onto kids, regardless of what their they parents They would have. Think. Yeah, they would have. All right, those I think that's believable. And by the way, you were right. No it's way Mark. They would, yeah. Okay, one Candace? second. Give me one second. Can, can I have a second? Okay. What do you mean, second? Are you talking to me? You talking to me or the guy delivering a pizza? What are you talking? About? What do you got? Okay, me. Okay. Yeah, you. Go. One more. One more. Okay, one more thing, real quick. Okay, okay. I saw Dallas Buyers Club, and it made me think of, oh my God, Fauci already ran this game before with AZT, and now he's doing it with Remdesivir, which has a fifty-four percent death rate. I covered in the that. trials that were in Africa. You missed. You missed that yeah, segment. I, I know, covered that. I I can't stand him for what he did, and the deaths he's yeah. responsible during the HIV crisis. He should have been not only fired; he should have to walk the plank. But unfortunately, government is the only place this kind of incompetence gets rewarded, and he got a promotion. So, yes, I believe you on both, but I already said the other one. You're not getting credit for that. That was mine. Jim, Mount Prospect. Hi. Hi. I'm Jim. And, uh, you know, I just have been watching these news, uh, the news about these thousands of container ships that are sitting offshore and not able to dock and not able to unload. In the meantime, our, the uh, supply chain is completely broken. All of our costs have gone up on material. I've got a, a vendor that I deal with that steel is up 
Mm-hmm. Um, they say it's temporary. It's a surcharge until it can catch up, kind of like lumber was earlier and all the other hard, you know, durable goods that, that we've had to pay for. My feeling is that this is all part of a bigger plan to maybe jack up the cost permanently and then, you know, the $15 an hour for everybody in America and all the other stuff that the Dems are trying to fund can be funded through the increases in all the stuff that is our kind of fictitious. Well, I, 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 first of all, I completely agree with your premise. So okay. let's play the music because I completely agree with your premise. I think it's even more, di- it's even more diabolical than that, and that's why. I wanted Trump, who I thought would have been the only one of the only people that could have said the federal government will never shut down because of a flu. And that was the biggest mistake. And when they do the autopsy of the collapse of America, the year 2020 will be the the year that broke America. It was the biggest mistake in American history. But I also think you have to remember how many of those ships really are affected by the by the calamity of just that, of shutting down the country in the first place, and literally, legitimately, cannot get people back to work. This is something I think that some people underestimated. I think well, we haven't felt the ramifications of it yet. Okay. And yes, it is, it is to weed out capitalism and to destroy small business. Yeah. That was the enemy of the government, was small business. So those, those giant container ships have a crew of about 50 people. They're, they're giant, but the crews are very, very small. I got 30 there is seconds. There's no reason why. Okay. And then the other the other part of that, though, is the crane operators, if they don't say they don't have enough of those, yeah. that's the highest paid job on the West Coast. And the union, There's, which I don't like, Jim. Thank yeah. you very much. I love you for calling. I'm sorry I didn't hang up on you, but I got to go. I'll be back in 21 hours. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.